This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. We're going to talk uh, to our friend Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily. He and uh, Howard Beck have a a new edition of the Crossover podcast that uh, was released, I think, yesterday. I like those two together. Anybody get their ankles broke? I don't think so. But uh, two of our favorites, of course, two of our daily assist guests have a podcast together. We always like to give that a a plug because they do uh, fine work together. Uh, both senior NBA writers and Sports Illustrated. We're very eager to get Chris's thoughts on what's going on with yeah. the uh, with the Jazz yeah. and uh, the direction or, or that the franchise may be heading or certainly is heading now. What are you chuckling at over there? <laughs> Austin's tweet from 52 minutes ago. I just saw it now. The, oh, uh, talking about the photos, the photos back yeah. to the family photo thing. Well, we're still laughing about that, but during the breaks, it's it's funny. But you know, that's something that goes far beyond just us. All of our listeners have experienced that at one time or another. Probably, yeah. The family photo is rarely a, a really smooth, <laughs> pleasurable appearance or uh, occurrence. Let's ask Chris about it. I bet he's got. <clears throat> A funny story or two to tell. Yeah, who does not? Uh, that's how we started the show today. Austin was talking about how he's not looking forward to his family photos <laughs> on Monday. And that uh, spun us off in a bizarre direction where now uh, not only do I have to take family photos, but now I'm in charge of putting it together. And everybody at the station, apparently their wives have gotten involved. In yeah, this. It, it turned into a thing. <laughs> Unfortunately. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um Gordon, uh, if you had to pick it now, uh, Giannis, by the way, is officially doubtful uh, for the next game. You would think so. Uh, with the Hawks, he's he's now been listed that way. But uh, with what we know currently about injuries, who do, and and where the series are at, frankly, who do you like in the finals? Well, I mean that series is. Well, I mean, I mean now that, what's Trey Young's status? I think he's game to game too. It's a crapshoot, man. Crapshoot. I'm in the go, East. I'd go with the Suns in the West. You don't think the Clippers go on a run like they did against the Jazz? I well, I shouldn't. I'm not going to count that out after what we've seen out of that team. But uh, I, I would guess Suns right now. All right, it's time for your daily assist. Austin, hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.com. 
Net. Joining us now, of course, our good friend Chris Mannix. Uh, Chris, I know this is a bizarre way to start the conversation, but Gordon and I and, and Austin as well got into uh, kind of a tangent about how much we hated family pictures <laughs> and the whole process of taking family pictures. Do you have any uh, amusing stories about uh, catastrophes or anything with uh, involving family pictures? No, we, you know, I assume we uh, separate, you know, drunk wedding pictures. Like those are, <laughs> different. those are, you know, I, I got plenty of them from like a few weeks ago. I went to one and uh, that's a lot of it. But like, you know, traditional yeah. family pictures. Honestly, I don't, I don't have many. And I actually thought about this the other day. Like, you know, my, my parents are in their seventies. They're, they're healthy. But like, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, I should probably take more pictures with my parents in case God forbid something happens. You want to have stuff, uh, you know, available to you. So I, we, we just weren't, uh, my family was not a, a big, uh, picture family. We were kind of your traditional Boston Irish Catholic family that just kind of grunted at each other when we <laughs> wanted to show emotions. So it was, uh, that's kind of the way it went. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. Yeah. All right, let's let's talk a little hoops, Chris. It's been a, a pretty whirlwind win week around here with the changing uh, in the front office for the Utah Jazz. So what are your thoughts and uh, about the direction of the franchise? You know, not surprised at how it played out because you know you know look, it, it was never something that anyone was able to really report, but it was definitely in the water supply for several months that. Dennis Lindsay could be done in Utah. And, you know, look, when I, when I first heard it months and months ago, like it kind of takes you aback. Like, oh, this guy's had a lot of success there. Jazz was the number one seed in the Western Conference. So, you know, why would that be? But there were some, as we know, I thought Andy Larson did a really nice job with his piece there, kind of laying it out. Um, yeah, there were some issues there with Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder, and a new, new owner comes in. He wants to put his own uh, stamp on the team. What I had often heard, you know, and half of this has already come true in a way. What I'd often heard was when it came to executive movement this summer was Danny Ainge out in Boston, Danny Ainge doing something in Utah, Dennis Lindsay out in Utah, Dennis Lindsay doing something in Houston. Now, I think the Houston part is, is overplayed at this point. I, I don't think uh, Raphael Stone is going anywhere. and You know, Dennis isn't going to consult there. But that, that, you know, a year from now, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that is Dennis Lindsay's landing spot. We all know his connection to Texas, Baylor, all that. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised – if if that happens, so I guess you know it, on the surface you're you know if you didn't kind of hear any of this stuff you're like wow that's that's kind of surprising but this was something that that people were talking about around the NBA for several months. I've always thought that smart people are going to disagree at times. You know, Chris. I mean, because if, if you're smart, you have a uh, your own brain and you have your own way of viewing things. How frequent is it that there is any kind of disconnect between a general manager or a vice president operations, all that sort of thing, and the coach? Oh, I think it happens all the time. Um, it, it just depends on what you know level it graduates to does it get to the point where the two sides genuinely dislike each other and can't come to professional agree- disagreements um which I, I think is is probably closer to where it got to with with quinn and with dennis but you know i, I mean i can't tell you the number of conversations i've had with a coach who's been grumbled about his gm or a gm who's grumbled about something that his coach did i mean uh, top of my head, I think of Masai Ujiri and Dwayne Casey in, in Toronto. I mean, you know, uh, it, it felt like for years Masai was waiting to, you know, to let go of Dwayne Casey. There used to be a joke that 
the press release was already written and then Dwayne would do something to save his job. Like you would, you know, get the team to the conference finals and he'd be around for another year or so. Um, you know, it, it just happens. Like, you know, I wouldn't say more often than not, but a lot of times you see coaches and GMs not on the same page with the talent that's being brought in, how that talent is being used. Um, it's just, you know, it takes, uh, you, you've got to kind of, you know, know, do what you do. Do what you do best. The GM brings in the players and he's got to trust the coach to make the right decisions. The second that connection is lost, that's when things start to really go south. Chris, you covered Danny Ainge very closely there in Boston for a long time. Um, you think he resurfaces in Utah? I do. Um, I, I don't know what capacity it would be. I would assume it's in, at least at first, some kind of advisory role. Um, I think Danny was telling the truth at his press conference where he said, like, I'm just not looking to work very hard right now. Um, 18 years in Boston, two heart attacks. I mean, that's that takes a lot out of him. And he has had family members that have urged him to take a step back. I can't imagine a situation right away where he'd want to step in to be, you know, in charge of things and, and run basketball operations uh, there. So I, 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 I think, I mean, this is more at this point connecting dots, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Danny surface in some kind of advisory role, uh, you know, with Ryan Smith, uh, with the Jazz. And then, you know, we'll see how this next year goes. Um, I, I think it's great that Justin Zanuck is getting a chance to, to really be the guy because I think he's earned that opportunity. I think he is an excellent basketball mind. Um, he has been a part of, as you guys know, most of the decisions that have been made uh, during this last 10 years, minus the few he was with Milwaukee. So I think he's, you know, he's been, he's been responsible for much of the success the Jazz have had, and I think he deserves this chance. But you never know. Like Danny, like, you know, Danny can say what he wants about, like, you know, I'm going to play golf, I'm going to do this. Danny's competitive. Like, I, I can't see Danny walking off into the sunset and doing nothing for the rest of his career. The guy is one of the more competitive people I've ever been around, and I think after recharging the batteries for a little while, I think he'll want to get back into the mix. And um, you know, the the most likely landing spot uh, would seem to be Utah. What about Dennis Lindsay's? What is he? Fifty two. I mean, he 52. seems like he's still got some gas in the tank. Uh, yeah, this 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 is this advisor thing is not going to last very long. I, I don't. I, I mean, to me, you know, this is more about Dennis Lindsay continuing to get paid and. I don't know. I don't, maybe Justin calls him. I mean, Justin he and Justin still have a relationship, so like, you know, maybe that's useful for Justin in situations. And Dennis has proven to be a pretty good judge of talent over the years. But he, he'll be back. Uh, I, I would, you know, I, again, I keep saying I'd be surprised, but it's kind of what you're basing a lot of this off of. But I, I think in a year you'll see Dennis Lindsay back running a team. I mean, his stock is is sky high. I mean, he's he put together the team that you know, was the first overall seed that if not for some injury issues, maybe they get to a conference finals and God, this year is so messed up. Maybe they win a championship. So like, I, I think that, you know, there'll be as, as openings start to emerge and they will emerge in the coming years. Uh, Dennis Lindsay will be a top candidate for every one of those openings. Do you buy into the uh, correlation? You, you just mentioned the wild uh, situation here in the playoffs, and of course injuries are a big topic today with Giannis. Do you buy into the correlation of the unique season and the injuries now uh, happening? Well, selectively, right? Like, you know, I, James Harden's hamstring injury, Anthony Davis's hamstring injury, stuff like that, absolutely. But, you know, Giannis could have played five games. You know, Clint Capella comes crashing into your knee like that. You're going to have what happened there um you know same thing with jamal murray to a degree like jamal murray tears his acl i mean these these types of injuries they're 
you know, they, they just happen. Same thing. Kawhi Leonard's had a knee problem his entire well, the last five years, at least. And he was load managed throughout the course of this year. That didn't have anything to do with, um, you know, the shortened season. So I, I think, you know, selectively you can point to examples, you know, most of the strains and muscle pulls and, and even like tears here and there that have happened. You can say that has to do with the shortened season, but everything else, I mean, I feel like it's, it's just, it's being too generalized. Like, Oh my God, another injury as a result of the shortened season. Well, I mean, that was a pretty nasty hit that Giannis took from Capella. One of the worst falls I've seen in a while. Definitely the worst that apparently led to nothing significant anyway. Um, so I, I can't connect that and, and many of the injuries to the shortened season. So, Chris, back to the uh, back to the management slash coach uh, relationship. Jake and I were talking about this earlier. What's the use of the regular season? Because a coach oftentimes wants to win games, right? And so he's going to he's going to utilize those players that are going to help him get there. And then we were talking about what about when uh, the director of player personnel, the GM, whoever drafts a player, and the coach doesn't think that player is of that much use right now. But the, from the perspective of the front office, they want to see that guy get time so that he can develop. Where Where's that line? You know, it, it, a lot of it comes down to the relationship the GM and the coach has. They decide, you know, what that line is. I mean, as you're kind of speaking, I'm reminded of, of Moneyball and how Billy Bean – wanted things run a certain way, and then when Art Howe wouldn't do it, Billy just traded away other guys that Art Howe wanted to play. I guess that's one way to do it. Like So you can just move the guys, but it's a little harder to do in basketball with so few roster spots. I, again, it, comes to, it just comes down to the chemistry between a coach and a GM. Can you have a robust, maybe even a little tense conversation about the direction of the team? But ultimately, the coach's call. And, you know, a coach can risk, you know, getting fired. We've seen that happen in the past, and different situations, but he's the one that has to decide the direction of this team. And the GM, even if he believes something, has to trust that he hired the right guy. It's like, it's sort of like a trickle down from like ownership, like owners, you know, can't, shouldn't meddle in personnel decisions. Trust the guy that you hired to do the job. GM, same thing. Trust the guy that you hired to the job. I mean, you clearly, you know, for the most part, you know, have a similar philosophy, at least believed in his philosophy when you hired him. So trust in that. Allow him to do his job. If not, you fire him and you find somebody that will do the job that you wanted to do. So more specifically, let's say it's going to cost you five games. You're going to have five more losses than you ordinarily would if you played, you know, your top eight guys or whatever. And there's a guy who you want to develop, but it's going to cost you those games. But he does emerge at the end of the season as being more useful in the playoffs. Is it worth it? And and then there's always the risk that you might play the guy and lose the games, and then he's not ready in a playoff. Yeah, I, look, I, use, for example, Philadelphia, right? Like, I think Philadelphia would have sacrificed five games if it meant that Ben Simmons learned to shoot during the regular season. <laughs> like, if, if they had told Ben, like, listen, and they should have done this. They've tried to do this in the past. But Ben, you're not playing unless you shoot five threes a game. I don't care if you miss all five of them, but you have to shoot five threes because – if you get a player into the habit of shooting threes, he's going to be more willing to do it when the playoffs come around. Ben shot 10 three-pointers during the regular season this year. Like He's never going to be open to shooting in the playoffs after having that type of regular season. I think everything just kind of has to be viewed through the lens of what's going to lead to better playoff success. That's the end game, right? You know, winning a championship. And if it means sacrificing wins to get young players developed, get them some trial by fire – uh, or in the case of Ben Simmons, get him shooting and missing three-pointers at an alarming rate, 
you do it because that's going to make you a better team. So, Chris, I want to ask you about Portland, and I know you've had some reporting lately surrounding C.J. McCollum, but uh, just your thoughts on what's going on with them as a franchise overall, that Chauncey Billups introductory press conference might have been the most awkward introductory press conference I've ever seen. Well, I mean, if you could have scripted out exactly how not to do this, like that would have been it. Like yeah. that would have been, yeah. you know, having a vague statement from Chauncey, having – Neil O'Shea basically say, trust us, we did our due diligence, and then not opening it up to questions. I mean, I'm, I'm just glad. I, I mean, yeah, if, I, if I got cut off by uh, a PR person, and look, it's not the PR person's fault. The PR person is getting a directive from the, the front office to, to do exactly that. But, yeah, if I got cut off, I'd be like, well, look, no disrespect. It's not you, you are not allowed to tell me what I can and can't ask. And, and what's crazy about that situation, guys, is that, like, you know, Chauncey's not new at this. Like, he's new at answering questions about this subject, but he's been around. Like, you know, he, he could have answered that question. In fact, it looked to me like he was ready to. Like, he was going to, to talk uh, and answer the question, which was a perfectly reasonable follow-up. I think it was, what did you learn uh, from that experience? Could you expand on that? Um, and to cut it off like that, it just it extends the story. I mean, all the coverage I've read in the aftermath has been, what a bad look for the Blazers, embarrassing, yada, yada. When, look, if you, if you let Chauncey answer, he's, it, it's not going to be, it's not going to go well for him. No, that's really going to go well for him, but it ends the story after like one day. And, and that's what you want. Like now it's kind of going to dog him around a little bit. People are going to be talking about him over days and weeks. And, you know, there's a distrust that's going to be fostered uh, towards the organization. I just, I don't really understand the thinking there. It's just, and I've asked different people around the league about this. I'm like, what am I missing here? Is that, that not the wrong way to handle this? And, Everybody's agreed with me. Like, yeah, you, you got to let him kind of speak and, and get past it. Um, you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to come out of it looking good, but at the very least, you can end the story right there. Of course, this isn't a new phenomenon, but we certainly see it more in the NBA than we do, say, in the NFL, although right now we're seeing it in the NFL as well. A player under, a star under contract who wants to go somewhere else. We've heard whispers about uh, Damian Lillard. We've certainly seen it with uh, with Aaron Rodgers, with the Packers. What do you make of of players who sign big deals and then decide for one reason or another they want to go elsewhere? Well, I mean, you know, if nothing else, you've got to live up to your contract. I mean, you don't have to show up all smiles. Like, we're all human. We're going to have our feelings about certain things. But you've got to show up, work hard, and try to win every single night. I mean, that's what you're contractually – obligated to do. I mean, the little thing is just getting a little bit weird. Like I made this point on my podcast this week. He, he just reminds me of a guy trying to break up with his girlfriend for the first time. Like it's, <laughs> he, he wants to do it, but he has no idea how to do it. Right. Like it's just, you know, whether it's the cryptic Instagram posts or really kind of boxing the blazers in by saying he wanted Jason Kidd to be the coach to, you know, the, the Yahoo report, which, which obviously is connected to him. It, it, it's just not uh, it's kind of ham handed sort of how it's been, been handled there. And now look, I don't blame Damian Lillard for, you know, wanting a trade. Yeah. It's, you look at that team. It's not a championship team. It's not going to be a championship team over the next few years. Like there's, there's almost no scenario. You can see where that team because of the salaries and talent is going to be at championship level during the Dame's prime years. And honestly, like it's better for both sides. If you trade him, like if you're not going to win a championship, maybe it's a different approach for everybody, but I look at it and say, if you're not going to win a championship, what, what's the point? Like, is it really worth it to 
get to the first round and be done? Do you really want to be in that kind of purgatory where you're a playoff team but not a championship team? Like in Oklahoma City is a great example. Like they were proactive with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. You keep those two guys, you're probably a second-round team every single year, but you're not a championship team. And, you know, Oklahoma City made that calculation, traded them, and I think people in Oklahoma City are probably happy about it. You get Shea Gildas-Alexander and 9,000 draft picks over the next six years. Like, you're in a pretty good position to rebuild. If you trade Damian Lillard, you're getting one of the biggest hauls in trade history. You're creating uh, a rebuilding uh, opportunity for you. Trade McCollum and you get another guy that you can, you can add draft picks to. It, it'll lead to some bad seasons, but I don't know. I mean, if, if, you're, not gonna, if, you, if you're happy just going to the first and second round, then by all means, keep Lillard. Continue the way you're going. Maybe you get lucky and have one of those weird years like this one where, you know, everybody gets injured. You, you make a run uh, to the finals. But, uh, you know, otherwise, I, I don't really understand the thinking of, of not at least exploring the idea of trading him. You know, Jake, uh, Jake brought up the whole idea that maybe all those NFL owners are calling the Packers saying, don't you capitulate to what Aaron Rodgers is saying because they don't want to face that same dilemma. Uh, and and the NFL has been fairly ironclad in that way in the past, but we'll see how this one turns out. I think you know what, like with superstar players that have given so much to their organization, I almost put them in a different category. Like I don't like it when NFL players, like after year three, hold out or whatever it is. They do it a lot in the NFL. Like they want to do contract. But the guy like Aaron Rodgers has given like two decades to the Packers. He wants to trade, like. You know, uh, you know, maybe maybe accept that. Maybe say like, look, you know, he's given a lot to us. You know, he won a Super Bowl. Like, you know, he's been loyal to us throughout the years. Maybe you capitulate. Same thing with Damian Lillard. Like, he's done so much for the Portland community. He's done so much for the Blazers. Like, if if he decides that at 31 years old, he wants a better chance to win a championship, go out and make a deal for Ben Simmons. Go out and make a deal for Jalen Brown and 900 picks. Like, do you know, do what's right for both of you at this point, and and make everybody happy. Chris, thank you very much. As always, we appreciate you. You got it, guys. There's our friend Chris Mannix, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. Interesting stuff. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. I still think the NFL is probably leaning on Green Bay. I mean, maybe it's the right <laughs> thing to do. But they don't want to open the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think I don't think the Texans were going to give Deshaun Watson what he wanted either. Even that before all the oh yeah massage mess that that he's in now, I don't mm-hmm. think they were going to do it either. John Elway, he threatened to go play baseball. And, and he had he to do that. To be drafted. He didn't want to be drafted by Baltimore. But he wasn't under contract. Yeah. Yeah. And Eli, some, Eli and, Manning did the same thing, but, yeah, they weren't under contract. And that bothered some people even more because who's this guy to be dictating his terms? And you know the funny thing about that? That happens so seldom in basketball. It's happened before. Like Kobe Bryant did yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And Lonzo Ball kind of did it. Both, interestingly enough, only wanting to go to the Lakers. But Elway to go play Major League Baseball? Come on. One of the all-time great quarterbacks. He didn't want to play in Baltimore. Wanted to play on the West Coast, and he ended up in Denver. It's in the West, anyway. Yeah. Worked out all right for him. I remember talking to John Elway when that was all going on, not after he was drafted, and he's in Denver. Were at dinner? Uh, no, we were just, uh, wait, you had in, to think about room. that. Have you gone to dinner with John Elway? No, no, we were, well, we were in a, uh, oh, let me think. No, it was drinks actually. No, we were at on a, the yacht. We were in a room where food was available. 
and uh, he was no, <laughs> and he was uh, telling all kinds of stories about all the fear, all the hubbub about him coming to Denver. People were following him when he went to get his hair cut and all that sort of thing. Let me see. All right, uh, we'll have that's more. Not, that's not interesting to you. Were there chicken wings in the room? You were kind of swatting in the side. No, no, no. I just thought it was a good place to okay. finish the conversation. I, I don't automatically have to one-up you, you know. And <laughs> when we're over and you uh, ignored the extraordinarily dirty look that Austin was giving you, I thought, you know what? This is probably a pretty good time to go to break. Oh Well, I've become so accustomed to that dirty look that I just sort of think that's his natural yeah. expression. Yeah, I know. All right, stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What do you want? You're locked on to the big show. Presented by Big O Tires. Just doing it big, you know. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Locke's going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. When I get the carpets and tile clean, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. I won't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Gordon, as of midnight, tonight or tomorrow morning, uh, every NCAA athlete in the country will be able to make money from uh, their name, image, and likeness. Whether I like it or not, this is happening. I hate tomorrow. amateurism. Pay those college athletes. It is happening, and uh, colleges are making plans for it. Yeah, so the Wild West is here, and uh, I don't think it's it's going to help a sport that already has severe built-in advantages or disadvantages for programs. This how much is going to make think, that worse. How but, much of a difference do you think it'll make? Do you think it's only going to affect the top, like the name players uh, at uh, you know, the quarterback spot or you know a star player of some sort? Or do you think it, it'll seep down and affect the structure of an entire team? I think it'll affect recruiting. And explain yourself, young man. I think you just opened the door to have boosters pay athletes. Like for... Like, come to Utah because I'm going to pay you $50,000. Which they're already doing. Maybe. No, not maybe. But it's going to bring it all <laughs> above board. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how... You know, and like, there's like, and it's built like in Austin there. said, it's happening now, and um, it, it it'll go on happening, and it's always gone on. But that's where I think. So I guess to answer your question, it's not going to be just the high profile players. How is it? Gonna, I don't. How is it going to change things, though? I mean, if it's already happening, what difference does it make if it's? It's going to happen more in into more open. extreme. Um. 
So do you think they're going to manufacture jobs or uh, – No. In know, fact, I'm, it makes no-show jobs really irrelevant, which so, is something so, that that was happening of things that are happening. So you just uh, – I mean, there has to be – doesn't there have to be some something that they're doing? No. You know? No? I mean, where is, is that line legislated? What, what's to stop, say, you know uh, – Let's see. Ryan Smith is associated with BYU, right? So what's what's to stop Ryan Smith for saying, "Hey, here's uh, 100k, come play quarterback at BYU," and they say, "Oh, do do I have to do anything uh, for it?" No, you're just endorsing us. So your your presence, well, endorsing, at, yeah, endorsing. Yeah, but there's a, no like you have to film a commercial. You don't have to do anything. They just couch that. They use the word like, "Oh, this is an endorsement." They don't have to get any value. It's not legislated that it has to be lucrative for the company. But it, but if why is that so bad? I don't know. It makes it unfair, the playing field unfair. I told you. Uh, it's already unfair. This is going to make it more so. Which again is something <laughs> that I said. I I don't know. I I think look, not any kind of action you take is never going to be all good. There's going to be some drag to it. But I, I think it's better for these guys to be able to profit off of their name. Well, okay, so let me ask you this because you uh, are on this from a from a moral standpoint. Does it bother you at all that the universities kept the sweetest plum to themselves? Shoe and apparel. Because if we're going to do this, let's do it. Why, why, why do the universities get to keep that? Yeah. That's the most lucrative one. So if we're going to do this... Yeah, Why aren't we doing it? Oh, that's a good point. That's and really everybody point. seems to be okay with, oh, okay, well, you know, I can <laughs> represent a car dealership, but where's the real money made? But the truth is, is that the universities don't want to sacrifice billions of dollars <laughs> so that everyone, they rake in from the shoe companies. So everyone's being greedy. Well, it's just I, I think if you're going to take a moral stance on this, then at least you could do is be consistent. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I do agree. They've somehow I, slipped that past people. I, I don't think. think there is a moral problem here. I don't think uh, uh, think college athletes are exploited. I don't I don't agree with that premise to begin with. But if that is your premise, my premise is why shouldn't athletes be able to profit off their own names? Okay, fine. Well, why are the universities keeping the the most profitable part of that to themselves? Because they're they're doing what they've always done, and that is grub whatever they can for them and their institution and those who are involved in that. That's what they've always done. And hire cheap labor. It's almost like a settlement where the NCAA has said, okay, okay, here. You can have this. Are you happy? Okay, great. Don't tell them how much we're keeping. It reminds me of when I went to, I was invited to my buddy's, my, my best friend growing up, his birthday party. And my mom uh, went out and got him a gift and said, here, give, give Greg this gift. And so <laughs> I went up to the party and they were giving out party gifts, you know. And <laughs> so <laughs> I got the party gift. I was quite young. I got the party gift. And I gave it back to him. I said, "This is for you," and 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 the, the gift that he was supposed to get was, I said, "It's for me." <laughs> That's what the NCAA is. 
Raise your hand if this you're is, surprised by that anecdote. Well, I, I, I was five years old. Give me a break. At least you didn't shrub him out of a picture. It was kind of a joke. Well, but how dumb is your friend? If everyone oh, was getting, if remind, everyone was getting rem- party gifts, he reminded me of that every day for the next twenty-five years. That you tried and got caught. Well, he he was aware enough to say no. That's not the way it works. I missed that part. He did say no. Okay. I'll yeah, you. he got his he got his gift. But uh, I tried, just like the NCAA. <laughs> I I think this will give USC more of an advantage and Oregon more of an advantage and Washington more of an advantage over schools like Utah. Uh, Maybe, but it's still, I think it's it's better to allow the athletes to be able to profit off what's theirs, and that's them, their name, their image, their likeness. It's, it's, It's got some downside. There is some casualty to it, but there's also an upside. Yeah, I mean, the casualty to it is, you know, the stuff the fans Look at about. it already, Jake. I mean, look, the mm. SEC wins every uh, – uh, certain schools win everything. It's already that way. So I don't think it's going to change much. Only now kids who are going to schools uh, that may not be in the top ten every year, they're going to be able to get a little something for them too. They already do, but yeah. I yeah, mean, they already do. Yeah, they already do. But now it's more above board. No, no, no. I mean, they already do. Like, great things like room and board and food and scholarship and all these wonderful things that have a ton of value that nobody seems to want to acknowledge well, people, they're worth I think, a thing. I think people do acknowledge that they, those they things don't. have value. It's, it's these they poor, just picked on, they just not, exploited They're just athletes. not billions, that's all. What about the the backup punter, though, that's not on Scully? Doesn't have room and board, gonna but get has up. a lucrative YouTube channel that has subscribers, and the NCAA says, nuh-uh, and now he can do that. Yeah, good point, Austin. But that's one out of 600, probably. <laughs> it's not that big. I do big remember a- that one story, yes. It's not that big a deal, Jake. It's going to be okay. I think it is going to be a big deal. See, usually the backup punter to get ahead has to stab the starting punter in the leg. No, no, no more longer. Yeah. No. So, are you telling me that uh, Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State are not going to go on having the advantages that they've always had? And you think it's somehow going to be turned upside down, or or, or do you just think no? Those those schools and schools like them are going to continue to dominate college football. I think the gap will be wider. Uh, I don't think so because there's only so many starting positions and people are going to be able to go to other schools and make money too. How many uh, like uh, how many players that go to a smaller school for the opportunity to play sooner, which happens a lot. I can think of several local examples. Uh, Jalen Johnson is the first one to come around. Decide that that isn't as valuable to them as putting more cash in their pocket immediately. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if USC had come to the table with two hundred grand, <laughs> is Jalen Johnson playing at Utah? I don't know, mm, but there will be. You do, but a, a player like that will be able to make money here too. Not as much. Mm. Again, that's why all of a sudden market and all that sort of thing starts mattering a lot more. Yeah. I, I just think there are monies available darn near everywhere. It's just not equal. That's my point. Not even close. Life ain't fair. Speaking of getting paid for Instagram, I mean, you have the ability to get more social media following in L.A. than you do in Salt Lake City. 
So you don't think that Johnny Manziel, because he's at a college station in Texas, is going to make less money than he would if he went to USC? USC would probably have the capability to pay more, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of money down in Texas. Yeah, but it's not Hollywood where you don't get the brand. You don't think Johnny Manziel had a brand? The commercial. Well, what if he went to the commercial capital of the world and was able to to, uh, cash in on that? I just don't know how. He wouldn't pick Texas A&M in the first place. I think you might be overreacting. And I'll, I'll admit it if I'm wrong. But we'll see. I just don't think that there are businesses out there that are just going to chuck all this money at athletes who aren't really going to benefit them. But they will to someone, a star who will. But to your point, they already do. Well, you they think do, that they car dealership is that's handing out no-show jobs or benefiting at all from that? No, they do it because they're boosters and they're fans of the team. They're not looking for a return. They're looking uh, they to win be. football games. Yeah, no, when, they might when, be. When you're, t- when you're talking about the dollar figures that you've been mentioning, hundred, you're grand. never going to get a return on it. They don't get a return now, because the the point is not for for advertising purposes. The point uh, is to well, lure think, talent think, to think, football I think teams. In some cases, it will be. I don't. Huh. Well, some we'll cases. See. I think you're too worried about it. I don't think you're worried about it. See, enough. I think you're too you're too worried about it because you're against it morally. I'm not against it morally. I don't think it's a moral violation. I don't think that... Yeah, but you think these guys shouldn't be paid anything beyond their scholarship. I think that there is value in college athletics, and I don't find anything wrong with how it's run. All right, we don't need to go. We have the wonderful Not Sports Report next. I wouldn't want (laughs) to step on that timing. Uh, Lock at 5. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the Win Ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys, Jake here for my friends at Zero Res. And you know what? I've been using Zero Res for a long, long time now. So I have them over all the time. But why should you try Zero Res? Well, get this for a second. Think of how much dust and dirt and dander gets tracked into your home every day. You think, oh, I don't see it or it's not there. Well, have you ever walked into your living room when the sun is beaming through the window and you see all those particles all up in the air? Yeah, all of those get deep down into your carpets and furniture where you don't see them and the vacuum can't get them. And that is where my friends at Zero Res come in. All right. Give them a try. Let them prove it to you that they have a better process that will get your carpets cleaner. They use that powered water technology. They don't use soaps and shampoos, harsh chemicals, those things that leave residues in carpets that actually attract dirt back into the carpet, meaning with Zero Res, your carpets are going to stay cleaner longer. They use less water than the other guys, too, so your carpets are going to dry faster. They'll prove it to you, and they have a great deal going right now for Zone listeners. Just $33 per room of carpet cleaning. 
cleaning. Now, minimum supply, but no maximums. And this month, only, what, a day left, two days left? Uh, they take 50% off upholstery cleaning. So you want to jump on that, take advantage, clean that furniture. 801-288-9376. That's 801-288-ZERO. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time for the Not Sports Report here on the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Thousands in inventory. Check them out, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going north of the border, Canada. Toronto. Okay. Okay. So there's a thing going on right now that you may have noticed, and obviously a lot of people are in the market for a home certainly have noticed that uh, housing... Costs have uh, gone up okay. to the point of being super competitive, and people are paying a whole lot more over the asking price for properties. Right? This is going on a lot of places. Certainly happening here in Utah. Well, it happened. It's happening in Canada too. And here's a story about newlyweds. Leanne Lebel and Kyle Ellis. Well, Jake, they were looking to buy a home uh, after a long time renting, and they were uh, frustrated uh, because uh, they had bid on 20 homes and lost out on every one of them. And they had bid, you know, competitive bids, and they still were losing out. And so finally, they found a house, and they... They, under the under the guidance of their real estate agent, were told to waive the home inspection as a condition of the sale. Oh boy! So they did so. Well, they missed out on twenty homes already, and so they did so. And <laughs> yeah, but but this is the way you buy a home on top of nuclear waste. You know that, right? <laughs> close, close, <laughs> not quite. Three Mile Island wasn't in the backyard, but. A garbage dump was, and it was under like uh, three feet of snow. And so they couldn't see it when they bought the house. And I'm not even sure an inspection would have found it, you know, because it's buried under the snow. Well, the city plans say there's a yeah, dump there. You well, no, I mean, it wasn't easily a, find it, that it out. It wasn't a city dump. The big sign on the road that said landfill with the arrow didn't give <laughs> no, them a hint. It wasn't and... a landfill. It was just so the, the snow melted and they found uh, just a big bunch of garbage in their backyard. And they also was a hoarder's backyard. Well, I don't know what it was, but there was a dump back there. But it wasn't like a city dump where everyone's coming in, dumping their stuff there. But there was nonetheless a bunch of garbage in their backyard. And uh, it's costing them like a hundred grand to have it cleaned out. A hundred grand. Do you feel bad for them? I, I do. I do not. Well, I mean, yeah, but and there's another story here of another family up there who had been lo- losing out on homes, and so they did likewise. They waived the uh, the inspection thing, and w- they found out after they bought it 
that uh, the house, their dream house, had water and septic problems that is now going to cost them $130,000 to repair. And but but it's it's gotten to the point where it's so crazy. And this is a nice looking home, Jake. Let me let me. Can you see that? Yeah, I mean, it's I, a nice looking home, right? I think I believe it's law here that you have to have proof of inspection to it, sell and buy. That is a wonderful law if it's true. I is think that, it is. I thought you could waive it, or or uh, waive it until after. I don't something. know. I, I I'm pretty sure when we went through ours, we had to prove that we uh, had had okay. an inspection and. They were having an inspection. Well, I just feel bad for these people who are, are, are desperate for a home, and they find themselves in a situation where they— this was under the advice of someone who was a professional up there, whatever their rules are, and uh, they ended up uh, having to pay a bunch of money that they had not planned for. So, I mean, if you're, if you're out there and you're looking for a home— just be careful. I understand that uh, maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bids might come in, and you feel like you have to compete with that. But just be careful. You don't want to end up with a bunch of regrets. And can you imagine Jake you're buying a house and having to pay a hundred and thirty grand more than you expected because there was a surprise? Mm, I'd probably a surprise. I'd probably do everything I could to ensure that there wasn't that surprise. Yeah. It seems only. Like it's like when you sense. it's like when you buy an as is vehicle and then complain that there's problems with it. It said it was as is. It, you know what you were doing. But you can understand why it. would they? Why would the seller not want you to get this inspected? Right. right. It's not just because they. That's a great point. They are hiding something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're gonna end up with polar bears living in the basement or something. But you can understand the frustration with these couples who are trying to get a home and they they can't 20 times they had failed yeah but this feels like a uh, like a like a advertising beachfront property in Arizona you know what i mean you're just you're, <laughs> only idiots need apply just i got a i got a bridge to sell you hey yeah. we'll we'll sell you this house but all you got to do is not inspect it at all really just trust and me then, look at this we'll look at this lovely couple it's just regular old folks Mm-hmm. Look like a couple of dummies to me. <laughs> Just be careful out there, folks. You know, I mean, have your home inspected. Hey, oh, oh, here's my comparison, because this happened to me at a bar in Nashville, Tennessee. It's like the guy trying to sell moonshine in the bathroom. <laughs> you know? What? That really, wait, that really happened? That really happened. Did you buy? No! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to buy strange liquor from a weird man in the bathroom. In no, the bathroom. Yeah. Of all places? He's selling. He's like, hey, do you want to buy some moonshine? I was like, no. And then it, what was funny is I walked out, and a couple minutes later, I saw my buddy <laughs> walking around with a thing full of moonshine. <laughs> It's like I guess it depends well, you on how what? parts you are. You know, I, I mean, can, if you really need some refreshment, I can walk out to the the bar and buy a drink of my choice that is, you know, regulated right. by a lot of really good laws. This and, wasn't the know. last yeah, lemonade stand in the Oasis. You went out can, there to buy a drink and you got refused twenty straight times when you go into the head and someone says, "Here's some." But but here's the thing. See, the, don't get it inspected. Just drink it. <laughs> but but here's the thing. The the bartender the the bar that sells me the rum and coke or whatever there, if that makes me go blind, then they're in a lot of trouble. If what the stranger in the bathroom sells me makes me go blind, he disappears into the wind. I understand your thinking. I, I, I get your thinking. But you've been rejected 20 times already for what you're looking for. 
And now someone in the bathroom I'm has still what you're looking for. Not buying moonshine. <laughs> Listen to from the words you're saying. <laughs> strange man in the bathroom. I, that was really one of the weirdest that, things. That, 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 that thirst is really, you know, working up. You know, I'll die of thirst. Thank you. <laughs> well, you gotta have a place to before live. I'm drinking toilet wine in the bathroom of a Nashville <laughs> rest stop. Yeah. What the guy? No, look, what the guy look like? I don't even remember to be honest. I got out of there. Pretty could quick. he could be in a fine Italian suit? I'm <laughs> yeah. not buying. No, I'm not either. No, and I kind of laughed when I told the guy. No, I was like, no, no, I, uh, no, I'm not buying. Uh, strange alcohol from a stranger in a bathroom. That was that's, probably mixed up in a bathtub. Somewhere. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's the point. You know, he just dips into the urinal and hands you the jar at the you know Oof. nicely regulated bar that was you know just around the corner. I, I'm pretty confident in what I'm going to get. Yeah, but you've already you would buy you, the moonshine from the stranger. No, I'm in saying the, you've tried twenty times and been rejected, and still your policy should so be never time, ever ever buy yeah. moonshine from the stranger in the bathroom. No, and by, that would by, not by, adjust by, my by, thinking at all. But by this time, you're belching dust. It doesn't matter. It could be Except dying your in fate. The, dying in the desert, and I'm not buying. No. Well, right the moral of the story that we all agree on is uh, be careful out there. Stay tuned. Locks next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.